Sandra and I have been investing in and companies that we've made bets in because they're going to want those revenues. They're not going to want to build it themselves. And so we think companies like, you know, iHeartJane, Dutchy, uh, Herbal, Navis, I mean, all the companies that, you know, predominantly tech companies, maybe Herbal's not in that same category, we think are going to be really come attractive to these publicly traded companies to, get, to grab their revenues. From the PodConnect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today at MJ Bulls, we are continuing the fifth annual Cannabis Investor Series sponsored by PodConnects, the cannabis industry's exclusive cannabis podcast network that actually allows cannabis companies to advertise. Go to podconnects.com to reach more listeners. On today's show, we're joined by Doug and Andre from Silverleaf Venture Partners. Guys, welcome back to the show. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. Well, I'm glad you could join us today because... You bring a slightly different perspective because you're one of the few cannabis investors that invested your own money before you started investing other people's money. I don't know why I think that's crazy, but it's maybe because <laughs> none of the other people have, that I've talked to have, have ever said this to me. But Doug, why does having skin in the game give you an advantage? Well, you know, Andre and I are, are firm believers that, you know, you got to be eating your own cooking. And so we, we said a long time ago, and we have d- different variations. If, if we're, if we're going to lose money, we want to lose our own money before we lose somebody else's, you know, or if we're going to uh, learn policies, let's, let's develop our SOPs. Let's develop how we view and do due diligence on companies with our own capital, kind of go through that learning curve and then raise capital off of what we did in our first partnership, which was just Andre and I 50-50. So SVP1 went out, did 10 investments, and we learned a tremendous about this industry and doing due diligence and the way people operate, the culture taught us uh, a lot. And uh, from there, we've been able to springboard and launch Silverleaf. I think, Andre, we've done, what, 32 investments now to date? And so we've been active. Wow. Dan, just to add to Doug's point, about having skin in the game and what that means. I'll tell you a quick story. I can't remember what date, what what investment. It was probably wasn't even cannabis, maybe going back several years. Somebody said, I love this company. This is a great company. And something inside me didn't like it. I can't remember what it was. And then I turned to the person. I said, well, would you put your money in? And the expression changed, the look got different, and the individual said, you know, probably not for this reason and that reason. So when you got that skin in the game, when you're an investor in your own funds, you really think a little bit differently. You think on behalf of shareholders, you think of risk differently, and you look at upside as well. I'm sure the people that you work with now feel more comfortable because they know that if if things go south, it's it's happening to you just as much as it's happening to them. You know, speaking of investment capital, it's always flowed slowly into our industry. But the drought seems to have gotten worse over the last 12 months, which has really driven valuations down. Yeah. I just can't imagine that this trend is going to last forever. Are we at the bottom now or is is now the right time to get back in? <laughs> Famous rule of forecasting, you can call a number or bottom, 
or you can call a date, but you can never do both. So I can't call a bottom right now, but I will say the valuations are incredible, especially if you look at the MSOs, publicly traded multi-state operators. I mean, these, these stocks are trading at less than two times sales. These are big businesses with hundreds of millions of dollars in sales and tens of millions in profit. And they're trading like really boring, low growth companies. Meanwhile, they're very, very high growth. Could stay nasty for a while. Investing is an emotional business. And when people's emotions are at their worst or they're upset, they're not necessarily going to bring out their wallet or their pocketbook. And so we could be skipping along a bottom. Hard to say if we're at the bottom, but we could be skipping along a bottom. Yeah, I, I think part of the issue here is we have a limited amount of investors that are comfortable investing in a space that's still federally illegal. So let's just say there's a thousand investors out there. Those thousand investors are probably, including myself, overcommitted to cannabis at this time. So putting more money in at these valuations is attractive, but at some point discipline has to step in and you have to say, hmm, I'm already 20% in cannabis, 15% in cannabis, and don't want to be overallocated. So I think the challenge with the industry today is finding new investors who are going to be comfortable with all the dynamics that cannabis has to offer. That's a heavy lift in a tumultuous, difficult, challenging environment. And to add to Doug's point about new capital coming in, it's a great point. We think that capital will probably enter this space when there's more and more of a hint of federal legalization or even discussions around safe banking or something to that effect. You know, institutional capital can be fickle. There aren't too many institutional investors in the space today. And the minute they sense a turn that, again, from skipping across the bottom to maybe a big upswing because of legalization, you'll see new money come into the business. And that's when valuations will probably change. You know, I heard one of the somebody else saying in a different podcast that they estimate that maybe 5% of all investors are in cannabis. So that leaves 95. So let's just say, even if that's aggressive, but it's still a huge, huge portion of the potential investors are not invested in cannabis yet. When that happens, won't that just skyrocket valuations? It should. I saw a study one of our portfolio companies had shared with us, and they looked at the institutional ownership of, of publicly traded cannabis stocks compared to alcohol, tobacco, other consumer staples, quote unquote, sin stocks, et cetera. And the numbers were, it was apples and oranges. I mean, let's say it was 70 or 80%, something to that effect, institutional ownership in those companies, those traditional alcohol, tobacco companies. And it was less than 10% ownership in cannabis stocks. So absolutely to your point, if any of those people start buying at the margin or even retail, you would see valuation skyrocket. And a little bit of that has to do with, especially retail, is access to the markets. It's not easy to invest privately, as we know, but it's also not easy to invest in some of these Canadian exchanges. Some online brokerages have access to that, but if you see companies list on NASDAQ or list on NYSE or other American onshore exchanges, you'll see a lot more retail investors investing in those companies as well. And that should buoy cannabis stocks as well as the private company valuations too. Okay. Doug, what sectors do you think are 
the most undervalued and will have the potential biggest upside? You know, I, I got to go right back to Andre and I's thesis when we started Silverleaf. We've been focusing on the tech and the science. We like companies that have an IP. We talked about this last year on your podcast. We like the companies with IP, but we really believe at some point when there's descheduling or safe banking and the and the publicly traded companies that are tied to the NYSE and the NASDAQ want to enter like Google and Amazon, they're going to pick off these companies that Andre and I have been investing in and companies that we've made bets in because they're going to want those revenues. They're not going to want to build it themselves. And so we think companies like, you know, iHeartJane, Dutchie, uh, Herbal, Navis, I mean, all the companies that, you know, predominantly tech companies, maybe Herbal's not in that same category, we think are going to be really come attractive to these publicly traded companies to, jet, to grab their revenues. Doug, I want to add one to that list. Green Check Verified, we're on the board of that company. Great company. It's a tech regulation technology platform for banking. And we just think that that's banking, as you know, is, is a challenge in cannabis. This company's figured out a way to connect dispensaries with banks and monitor th their transactions, rather, to make sure that um, they're compliant. Things like this, we think when cannabis goes legal, are going to be really, really hot because we know that all the banks are going to want to get into the space. They're going to need to figure out how to regulate and manage the, this book of business. And, you know, interesting tech plays and niche companies like that are going to really take off. Yeah, it seems like that makes a lot of sense because, like you said, there's an exit then versus yes. another round of investments. These companies that you're talking about have a potential for an immediate exit once things start to change. In the remaining time we have... Let's talk to investors, potential investors out there. What are some advantages to working with Silver Leaf Venture Partners that we haven't talked about already? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's really our experience and it's it translates into how we look at investments. Andre and I will obviously gravitate towards an experienced team that if there's a little bit of choppy water and there's some bad weather, you know, they're going to figure out how to get around it. Gosh, we've probably reviewed over 2,000 pitch decks at this point. We really kind of know what works and doesn't work, but we've also seen how certain teams are just really able to execute versus teams that just can't execute. I've used the example multiple times. We don't want to invest in somebody that takes three hours to watch 60 minutes. We, we want to invest in guys that are speed to market. They always figure out how to get over the hurdles when needed and they deliver and operate based on their business plan. And we're happy to continue investing even in higher rounds to be as supportive as possible. And Dan, let me, let me cut in. Doug's brought up some excellent points, but one of the biggest, I think, as to why you want a professional fund manager or somebody who's an expert in an industry I used to think you could be a generalist, you could be good at everything. And I realized after working with Doug for the last you know, four years now in cannabis, that being a specialist and understanding an industry is invaluable. If we see a brand new pitch deck and there's a logo on there, chances are we know that CEO or we are friends with somebody who knows that CEO yeah. on that logo. We can call them up and say, hey, XYZ company sent us a pitch book and your logo was there. What, tell me what, what's it like to work with this company? And every now and then we'll get 
a CEO saying, geez, I never heard of them. So, <laughs> so but look, for the most part, people are, are good actors in the business, but we really get to vet um, companies through our network, through the relationships we have, and we can uncover what maybe is a stretch versus what's a fact in, in some of these stories and, and pitch books from companies. One more point to add to Andre's in, in SVP one, we didn't have those relationships. We couldn't call CEOs and vet numbers. And we couldn't understand that if somebody was putting something in a pitch deck, is it real or are they embellishing today? We can drill in based on the data, based on the previous underwritings that we've done. We can pretty much figure out if there's stuff in the pitch deck that we think is farce or is, is achievable. Yeah. You know, just before we, in closing, I just was, we were all at a conference last week and you realize just how small this industry is. Like to your point, the people that are in it, that people know and are good people, everyone knows them. The people that are not good people, (laughs) everyone knows them. And so it's, I mean, so that's, I, I'd say that's a huge advantage to being, having relationships and having a good reputation already and establish a, a solid reputation. We'll have Silverleaf Venture Partners information in our show notes. So if you're a cannabis company that's thinking about raising capital or investor look, looking for a company to manage your cannabis investments, just click the links in the show notes to connect with somebody from their team. Guys, Always fun to talk to you. Hopefully, we'll catch up the next conference. (laughs) But thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.